Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello. Hi, everyone. It's pouring rain. Our power went out because our power goes out anytime. There's wind, so hopefully that won't happen again. I mean, it theoretically won't affect me recording this podcast if the power goes out, but it makes for an annoying day. How are we? I don't think there's any big teen mom news this week. Trying to think. There was some Janelle drama in that she got some sort of brand deal. Honestly, I'm not really sure what kind of brand deal. As you guys know, I, for the most part, stay away from Janelle news now. I just, I find her very boring. I, for one, don't get like a thrill out of watching like really, really hateful people. Um, There are certain like shitty trolls that I watch. (laughs) Uh, For one, Trisha Paytas, who is currently on a uh, Harry Krishna journey, which is beyond offensive. I mean, it's extremely offensive. And yet I can't really turn my eyes away from her. So I'm not saying like I'm above watching a bad person and like following a bad person. But for me, as I've said a million times, like David and Janelle are just so flagrantly hateful that I don't, it doesn't spark any joy for me to follow them. Like, I don't, I don't know. They don't have any like exciting drama like they're used to be they're not on the show and when I go to their pages I just see like bullshit about them hating black people like and flying the confederate flag and loving Trump and I just I'm not I'm not interested in following that closely it's just it's truly not for me it's why I can't like closely follow like QAnon stuff. I mean, I do, I try and keep up with QAnon to a certain extent because I think dismantling misinformation is really important. Like I, I really do strongly believe in that. And I think to be able to dismantle a lot of this misinformation, you have to have a basic understanding, right? So I'll listen to like the QAnon Anon pod every once in a while and like we'll read about stuff online, but like I can't be all in because it's just, it's too much. I'm trying to think of like other examples, but there are plenty of like influencers that are snark bait for a lot of people that I just don't touch because there's like, it's not that there's no redeeming qualities to them. I don't want to say that because there are no redeeming qualities to someone like say, Caroline Calloway, you know, who <laughs> who I can't look away from and haven't been able to look away from for three fucking years at this point of my goddamn life. If you want to hear more about Caroline Calloway, you should go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. I've done, I think at this point, a couple of episodes on her. Um, she's currently living, loving, and laughing in Cambridge in the UK where she went to uni, as they call it over there. Um, why she's there doing this? Great question. She was going for a week supposedly and then she met some like 22 year old. So now she's like living there as one does, you know, where's her cat? Great question. The world may never know. She posted that she wanted to sublet her apartment and part of subletting her apartment was the person to take care of her cat. So she was essentially subletting her cat as well. Is that shitty? Yeah, of course. Will it maybe be better for her cat named Matisse in the end? Yeah, I think so. But I'm not saying that like she has redeeming qualities because I really honestly do not think that she does. But 
there has to be like something of value there that's worth snarking over for me. I'm not really quite sure how to phrase it, but someone can't be like 100% awful despicable like David and Janelle are. Like that's just how I view them. Like there's not, there isn't even anything entertaining there for me. Now I understand like somebody who's really into following Janelle could look at Caroline's stuff and be like, there is literally nothing of entertainment value here. And to that I would say, yeah, that's true. It's just like for me, Janelle these days, there's like nothing of entertainment value there. Now, if she left David and like started fucking some new guy and I don't know, the kids were taken away and like if like a bunch of shit started happening, my tune may change. But as of now, I'm just not that into it. But um, a bunch of people sent me a video of her crying over getting like this brand deal dropped. I don't I honestly don't even know what it was. Some sort of thing that she was partnered with and doing her classic like people sent them old articles and I just don't understand and to that I say like too fucking bad I think I've said it a million times like I have absolutely zero problem with people contacting Janelle's sponsors and getting her drop from them Janelle is a really bad person um you guys know that I do not believe that anybody is owed a platform it's why I think cancel culture is bullshit because the premise of cancel culture relies on the fact that a platform is owed to a person. Now, do I think that like Janelle should never be allowed to like have a job anywhere? Like, no. Like if Janelle just like got a fucking job at her like as a receptionist somewhere and people are calling and harassing her job, I'd be like, eh, uh, everybody's got to feed their kids, you know, like uh, that's one thing like that's that maybe maybe we could talk about cancel culture there. Probably not, but maybe. But I personally don't think that everybody is, is like deserves to have a public platform in which they, for very little work, get a lot of money. <laughs> I just I don't I don't see it. Like nobody is owed being a public person. Nobody's owed being an influencer. Nobody's owed being a celebrity or a comedian or whatever. So like I don't really care if Janelle is getting dropped from these things. And like the other thing is if like you're an influencer, the idea is that you're selling things based on your brand and your brand is you, right? So like if you're getting canceled because of shit you did, like that makes sense. Like that's <laughs> that's how it should work. <laughs> that means things are going well. Like that's that's the way that we should be holding people accountable when they have public platforms. So like I it would be like if I I don't know I don't know where I was going with that but like if I said some fucked up shit on here and I have said some shit that people didn't like and they fucking went to my reviews and left me a negative review it's saying why they didn't like me like they have every right to do that I don't know I'm not owed a podcast you know what I mean I'm not owed you listening to my podcast I'm not owed you liking my podcast I'm also not owed you not leaving me a negative review because I'm putting a something for somebody to consume out on a platform in which they allow reviews. So that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Um, so like when it comes to Janelle, I will see occasionally people be like, I don't know if I agree with people calling her like her sponsors and getting her fired like she needs to make money. And while I won't be calling her sponsors because I just don't have that energy to put towards it, I don't agree with that. I think that if people want to dedicate their time to making sure that Janelle doesn't make money off of being an influencer, like, so be it. Do I think some of the people that hate follow Janelle go entirely too far? Yeah, but only because of, like, how it affects them personally. You know what I mean? Like, 
I don't think it's going too far because of Janelle. Like, I think it's going too far because of them. And I say that with experience. <laughs> like, speaking of Trisha Paytas, there was a time, like, mm, right before she got canceled. Again, <laughs> canceled. But, like, in maybe May, I don't know, whenever, like, maybe a month before Frenemies blew up, like, I had to stop watching everything with her because I realized I was getting, oh, my God, the fucking power went out again. The really annoying thing is I'm trying to do laundry and I put it on for a rinse spin because I wasn't even sure how long it went. So I'm going to have to do a whole new rinse spin. <laughs> I, well, I'm just going to keep recording sitting in the dark. Oh, I can turn on. I have, I mean, it's dark because it's raining, but I bought these electric candles off of Amazon because I'm not a conscious consumer like I should be. They have a little remote and you can make them any color, which is super fun. One and I like to turn them on. They're really nice for nighttime when I'm reading. Um, fire makes me nervous. So I don't, And I also don't love scent. My mom is very allergic to fragrance. And so now I live in like a fragrance-free household. I'm like, it's hard for me to smell fragrance repeatedly. So I don't love a scented candle anymore. Um, so I love these electronic candles. So I just turn them on and it's quite a little vibe. The annoying thing is the the remote somehow turns off my TV. I don't know. I don't know how it works. Where were we? Trisha. Oh, I, I was like getting so fucking enraged that she was just being so anti-Semitic on every platform all of the time. And everybody was like cheering her on and she was being rewarded. And she was like uh, calling out people who had sexually assaulted people while at the same time, like being close friends with somebody who was like a known sexual assaulter. And it was just like enraging me that people weren't seeing this. And I was like, I need to step back. Like, this is unwell. Like, this isn't fun hatred anymore. This is like real hatred that I feel in my heart. And so it's time for me to like take a step back. And so, like, when I think of Janelle haters, whatever you want to call them, that are like fucking obsessed with her and tracking her every single move, that's when I'm like, well, you should probably take a step back because that's more about like you. You know, it's like, um, you guys know I'm obsessed with. <laughs> The Without a Crystal Ball subreddit because I do not like Katie Joy, the host of Without a Crystal Ball. So I went to her subreddit to think, oh, I could snark here. I want to snark on Katie Joy. She's unbearable. She's completely unbearable. Oh my God. And it is one of the most toxic place toxic places on the internet. Um, they truly think that she is worth worse than Josh Duggar. I swear to God they do. There's like six posters there that post a hundred times a day. Like it's like this says more about you guys than it does about Katie. You guys are like the six-ish people. I'm not saying everybody there, but like the six-ish people are really unwell. And that's how I feel about a lot of Janelle haters who are obsessively calling and getting her sponsors removed. But like I said, that has more to do with them than it does to do with Janelle. Like, I don't give a fuck if Janelle doesn't get to make money being an influencer. Why should she get to make money being an influencer? She fucking sucks. So that was it for the news this week. Oh, by the way, I saw Spen I did see Spencer last week. I really liked it. I didn't realize it was like a horror movie. It's a psychological thriller is a better way to put it, but it was really good. I think I might go to the movies again tonight. I'm not sure. I want to see, I don't know, what's playing, like the French Dispatch is playing the Wes Anderson movie, and I do like Wes Anderson, unfortunately. <laughs> Something to know about me is like, I like shit like that. Like, I like. Wes Anderson like shit you know that 
that's a toxic a toxic trait of mine is that like I fucking love that shit um it just it is it's like how I always say that like loving the show girls is like one of my worst qualities like how much I love Wes Anderson movies is mm, it's not the best thing about me I'll say that um but I think I read the French Dispatch it didn't get very good reviews but also Belfast is playing which got good reviews but then some of the reviews were not that great I don't know I don't love to rely on movie reviews but I'm not sure exactly what type of film I'm in the mood to watch I loved I got pretzel bites it was so fun I'm a pretzel bites over popcorn girl that's something to know about me mostly because I love salty and I don't love super buttery popcorn I know it's a shock um I grew up with a mom that was like really (laughs) diet food um and it really like shaped the way that I eat things and something that we ate all of the time (laughs) growing up was like that 99% um, fat-free, no butter popcorn. (laughs) Did you guys eat that too? (laughs) Like pre-smart pop because we like made it in the microwave. You know what I mean? I don't remember what it was called. But uh, had like the brand that we used had a specific name and it did not have butter on it. (laughs) It was not butter. Sometimes we'd maybe spray a little. I can't believe it's not butter on it if you're really feeling frisky. But because of that, I really like to drink or I like to drink. I like to eat uh, butter without popcorn. (laughs) So the movie theater there doesn't do great for me. I know you can ask for light butter or whatever, but... Um, it's why I also like skim milk. It, you know, <laughs> I like the way non-fat things taste better. It's just what we ate all the time, like sugar-free. And I understand it's like filled with chemicals and it's not good for you. But I like the way this shit tastes. I do. It's a curse. It's a real curse. Um, so I think I'm going to go to the movies again because I love going to the movies. I have a bunch of shit I have to do, like not for school, but personal life stuff. I'm going away for like 10 days over Thanksgiving to Virginia and I have a busy ass week. So I should like pack and shit for that. But I don't really foresee that happening today. <laughs> ay, 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 ay. Okay, let's talk about this week's episodes of Teen Mom OG and Teen Mom Young and Pregnant. You know, I hate to say it, but it's kind of another slow week, but it is what it is. The show is slow. Um, Let's start with Cheyenne, who goes into labor. Is this? Well, kind of. She's like, she starts episode five days out from her induction. Um, She goes into her doctor and gets a membrane sweep, which can start labor early. I don't know anything about that. Doesn't sound pleasant. Um, Sounds like that would hurt. But she gets it done. She's having contractions, but she doesn't end up naturally going to labor. So she gets induced. Mazel tov to the whole family. We don't see the baby being born. That's next week. Baby Ace will be here next week. Um, What's his face? Zach and her mom are there. Everybody seems happy and ready for the baby. There's a very cute scene of Ryder on the phone with Corey, like playing Barbies. You know, she's like on FaceTime playing Barbies as he's talking to her. And Boz, her cousin, is sitting like standing next to her also playing, just has a bowl on his head. (laughs) It was I was like, does he have a bowl on his head? And he absolutely did like a blue plastic bowl. And he just wore it for the entire scene. That kid is really fucking cute. 
really cute. Boz is a cute kid. I like their family. Are they the healthiest people on the block? Probably not, but who is, you know? I think they are nice-ish. They really care about each other, and they have, they're pretty, and they have cute children, and those are the qualities that I care about in a person. <laughs> kidding, but also, like, not kidding, you know, when it comes to reality TV. Okay, so let's pop on over to Macy. So this theme of this week is that Taylor is struggling because Macy is struggling, which I think is um, a really fucking real topic, right? Like they have three kids. They play 800 million sports each. They go to different schools. Like there's a lot of shit going on in their lives. And I definitely... I don't know. I was like, yeah, that's real. I It felt authentic. I mean, I don't think Macy and Taylor ever come across it very genuinely, unfortunately. I just don't think they're the most genuine people when it comes to filming their lives, which, you know, I don't know if I would be at this point 10 years into being on reality television. Like, I can imagine I'd be quite guarded with what I show on TV, especially if I'm someone like Macy who cares a lot about her image. But I do think, like, this scenario was real. Like, Macy's really physically and mentally struggling right now. And that leaves a lot for Taylor to take on. And they're also talking about, like, not only is that hard, it's really hard for Taylor to watch Macy, like, struggling. And he's not sure what to do. Um, So Macy gets the idea that um, Taylor should see her, what I thought was her therapist. Okay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. She says, oh, you should talk to Dr. Carol. I think that's her name. I've written down. Yeah, you should talk to Dr. Taylor about it. I thought she said my therapist. And I was like, yeah, she should talk to Dr. He should talk to Dr. Taylor or Dr. Kaler. Kaler. (laughs) Oh, God. Kaler. I'm not. By the way, I'm like not a Taylor Swift fan. If that upsets you, um, I don't know what to tell you. I want to figure out a way to like block this red relaunch from my fucking internet because I just don't care about it. Not like I'm not anti Taylor Swift. Well, in some ways I am. (laughs) In some ways I am. Like, let's talk about the fact that she just did her first real female feature like ever. Fucking 15 years into her career. And the fact that she has essentially no women working on any of her albums. (laughs) Feminist queen. Um... (laughs) But besides that, like, I really, I like some of her songs. I actually really like the song Lover, although it sounds just like Mazzy Star's Fade Into You. It would come on all the time at my uh, workout class. And the first couple of times I always thought it was Fade Into You and it was not Fade Into You as Lover. I like some of her songs. I actually like some of her songs off of Reputation, which I know is like her least popular album. But I just don't care. I didn't get into her in, when did Red come out? In like 2009? I don't know. I didn't get into her in high school. I don't know. I don't think she was out when I was in high school. Like, I think she was only country when I was in high school. And people in my school, we didn't listen to country music, really. Um, Like, the pop country renaissance didn't really come up to my area until a little later. So, I didn't listen to her in high school. I didn't listen to her in college. I just never got into her beyond her, like, being a pop culture figure. I just never got into her music. And so her being like on every 
fucking platform. Like, I cannot get away from it. This red re-release shit. Like, it's just, I'm like, I just don't care. I don't want to see this. (laughs) I don't want to see this. I think my issue, Taylor, is like, I, Troy and I did an episode on her documentary on Netflix and I think we had a really good conversation and like my issue besides the fact that she doesn't really work with women um, although I think Red has women credits because she still had that like female co-writer at that time but in general she's like not a huge uh, person that works with women um, do yourself a favor and look up her 1989 album of the year Grammy win in which she's talking about feminism and girl power and look at all the people standing behind her uh, I I wish that she would actually be honest about her life and like the fact that she did all of the PR dating and like why she actually didn't come out as a Democrat for so long. And I I think there's a really interesting real story to Taylor Swift. And I just don't think that's the one that we ever get. Um, and I think when she's being real, she's extremely like I'm extremely endeared towards her, like in the documentary when she's talking about being assaulted and got up on stage and like sung that song about it. Like, I thought that was beautiful. Um, I just find a lot of her persona to be very fake and calculated, which I don't necessarily mean as an insult. I think that's true for most celebrities. She just happens to be like the biggest celebrity in the United States. So I focus on her. How did we get here? Oh, because I accidentally said Kaler, thinking of Carly and Taylor. <laughs> I also don't believe that, by the way. I think Taylor's very straight. Um, okay. Taylor, as in McKinney, not Swift. <laughs> oh, what if Taylor Swift like popped up on Teen Mom? Maybe she would have in the earlier days. <laughs> Actually, I'm kind of surprised that Macy and Taylor Swift weren't friends at one point. Like, when Macy was randomly, like, extremely popular and famous. That would have made sense. Or, like, when Chelsea was, like, hanging out with Jamie Lynn Spears. (laughs) Sorry, none of them ever got their hooks into Taylor Swift in, like, 2007. Or 2008, I guess, when the show first got popular. Anyway, Dr. Kaler. Carol. (laughs) I'm struggling with that. Dr. Carol comes up on the screen and she's credited as a telehealth educator. And to that I say, what the fuck is a telehealth educator? What the fuck does that mean? She, a seemingly a PhD of some sort, we're calling her doctor. Dr. Carol is a telehealth educator? What the fuck? Can we see some real fucking therapists? I'm kind of wondering if, because I don't think we've seen Macy go to the therapist in quite a long time. The last time I can remember seeing Macy like go to the therapist, like her personal therapist, it was when her and Taylor went as a couple. Do you remember that one time? Like right out uh, years ago at this point, I think the babies were still like very little. I wonder if Macy's therapist wouldn't agree to do a therapy session on camera, right? Which would be ethical and right. Like that actually would be good. That I would support. That's a good thing. She probably shouldn't be doing (laughs) therapy sessions on camera. So I'm wondering if she agreed to do some sort of education session, but she would not do a therapy session and she would not allow MTV to credit her as a psychologist. 
on television. Because to me, that actually would make sense, right? Like, yeah, I'll come on, but we're like, we're going to talk kind of vaguely. And this isn't going to be a session. It's going to be understood that it's not a session. I'm going to be an educator. And what I can tell myself ethically is that I'm like educating people on how to help their partners that have PTSD. I guess, I guess that's what what's happening. <laughs> I don't know. By the way, my power is still out. <laughs> that's not good. If it hasn't come back on within 10 minutes, it's not a good sign. How am I going to post this episode? The world may never know. I guess I could go to my dad's or like up to Starbucks. Oh, God, I don't want to deal with this at all. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I, I like and I thought Dr. Carol had some nice things to say. They talked about that Taylor's feeling really helpless and that he's not doing anything. And she made the nice point that like just by being there and trying, he is doing something. Um, and she's like, well, do you ask Macy what she needs? And he's like, no, not really, which I can understand from Taylor's perspective that he doesn't want to ask Macy what she needs because he doesn't want to be like overwhelming her, which I think makes sense totally, right? Like that's a really hard position to be in where you don't want to overwhelm your partner, but you also want to help them. And so the therapist suggests, or excuse me, the health educator, telehealth educator suggests that he ask her exactly what she wants from him and so when they talk about it later Macy says if I'm just being honest like totally honest and selfish like I cannot stand when you say that you feel helpless and like that it hurts you to feel helpless and I was like yeah I get it because it just may I it probably just makes her feel more guilty I would imagine right like I I don't know if she said that specifically so I don't want to put words in her mouth not like this entire podcast isn't putting words in people's mouths, but I would imagine like you're feeling shitty already. You know, your partner's taking on so much more work than they usually do. And they're worried about you. And then they're like, I just want to help you. I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to help you. It hurts me. Like I would imagine feeling a lot of guilt over that. So that's it for Macy and Taylor. I don't know. They hug at the end and it seemed so weird, but I also kind of think that's just Macy. I think she's just awkward. All right, let's take a little quick break and then we will get on with the show. Well, here's something hilarious. I got a new phone last week and when we got it, so I had T-Mobile forever, ever. And then when we got phones in 2019, we switched to Sprint, which sucked everywhere, but apparently not in my house. Um, We went back to T-Mobile. I was great thrilled I mean T-Mobile bought Sprint anyway so we would have went there it was this whole thing my old phone like wouldn't read the Sprint or the T-Mobile sim card is a big mess um so I've had Sprint and now apparently T-Mobile doesn't get very good cell phone service in my house so I don't have internet or power and my cell phone service isn't really working I don't know if that's because of like if it's a T-Mobile issue or if there's like some a line is down or something right now And that's why it's not working. But that's really fucking annoying. And I don't really know what I'm going to do because I can't have both no Wi-Fi or cell phone service. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, what a shitty day. Okay, let's talk about Amber, who when when I hear Amber talk about wanting to go to therapy with Leah I I don't feel like it comes from a genuine place um I think in Amber's mind Leah's gonna go to therapy with her and the therapist is gonna be well 
first of all, I think she wants to go see her psychiatrist with Leah, right? Like she's not trying to go to a neutral therapist, which is what they need to be doing. They need to be seeing a family therapist, not Amber's long-term psychiatrist. Um, But that's a conversation for another day. But I think in Amber's mind, they're going to go to the therapist. The therapist is going to sit them down and say, Leah, you have to forgive your mom. She did what she had to do. In fact, all of the choices that she made were for you. She did them for your benefit because she loves you so much. Like, I really think that's what uh, Amber thinks is going to happen. Um, I think she has decided that, like, therapy is this, like, mythical place for her and Leah. And, like, once they go there, like, everything's groovy, baby. Like, we're all good. I'm curious what Amber actually, like, wants done in therapy. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't go to therapy. I think Leah should go to therapy. I think Amber should go to therapy. And then I think when Leah's therapist thinks that she's ready, then she should go to a session with Amber. Kind of like Bentley and Ryan. But do I think that like one, it should be starting with joint therapy? No. And two, like, do I think therapy is going to be the answer that Amber wants? No, I don't. I think unfortunately that Amber for the time being at least has done harm that can't be reversed I was gonna say irreparable damage but I don't think that's the case like I don't think that it's that it can never ever ever be fixed no matter what like I don't think it's that but I think that we're a long way out from Leah having a desire to fix it and I think that if she goes to therapy Leah not Amber I think if Leah goes to therapy it could help her make sense of these feelings, but I don't think it's going to like fix how she's feeling. I I think that it's, I think if anything, I think Amber should prepare herself that if anything, it may empower Leah to not have a relationship with Amber. I Because like right now, you know, at least on camera, Leah doesn't get a ton of support for cutting her mom off, right? Like she doesn't get a she doesn't get a lot of support for that. Gary is really like, you should see her, you should see her, you should see her. Now, how they talk off camera, we don't know. But I wonder if Leah goes to therapy, if the therapist is going to be like, yeah, you shouldn't see her. Like, you don't want to see her. She's hurt you a ton. She doesn't add anything good to your life. I'm going to validate for you that for you. And I'm not going to recommend that your dad make you see your mom. Like, does, has Amber, I mean, I, I, I was going to say, has Amber thought that that's a possibility, but I feel pretty confident in saying no because Amber is incredibly selfish and she has almost zero self-awareness or self-introspection. I mean, compare her to someone like Kale, who I think Kale and Amber have some similar character issues. I was going to say character defects like an AA, but I don't want to say that. But they have some similar, you know, behaviors. Um, a lot of differences, but some similar ones. But Kale, we know, is like extremely impulsive and in the moment has like absolutely no ability to control her emotions and actions whatsoever. But after the fact, can sit down and be like, yo, <laughs> that was wild of me. Like, I shouldn't have done that. I never want to do that again. Now, does she end up doing it again? Yeah, usually. But she at least has the awareness to like think about it and reflect on it. I don't think Amber has that at all. I think Amber is very unwell, like very, very unwell. And I think that like in Amber's mind, 
Leah's going to go to therapy and Leah's going to admit that she was wrong. Like, I really, I really do think that. I think Amber's like, great, Leah will see that I was there for her, that I made the right decisions and that I've never done anything wrong a day in my life. Because I think that's what Amber believes. Like, I, I think Amber could pass a lie detector test. I should recap that episode where she has Matt take lie detector tests. I know I recapped it like four feathers in my hair when the show was on air, but now it's been so long. It's like, should I go back and recap episodes I already did for the show? <laughs> Just to get some fresh eyes on it. Um, I think that could be fun. But I think Amber could pass a lie detector test. I think she could say, you know, I did everything I could for my daughter. I made some mistakes, but it was all drug related. I put myself in jail and now I'm a great mother and I've been a great mother since I got out of prison. I think she believes that to be true. And so like, I'm not really sure how effective traditional talk therapy for Amber and Leah could be because I don't think Amber's in a place where she can receive any feedback because it's not that Amber has a warp, just a warp perception. Um, I think that talk therapy can be incredibly good for people that have already have a sense of self-awareness and they're struggling with certain things and like a third part, a neutral third party can help walk them through those things and come to realizations. I think that's like what talk therapy is really, really good at, right? Where you're like, you're just feeling discombobulated on something. You are like stuck in a certain state of belief, but like you have the ability to reflect. So a therapist can help you work through things. I think someone like Amber needs to be in a pretty intense like DBT type of program because I don't think Amber is in the place in which talk therapy could be effective because therapy can't talk you out of your reality, right? Like I I feel like I used to say this a lot on the show. I don't know if I've been saying it recently where it's like here on planet Earth, what Amber believes happened did not happen. But on planet Amber, it did. And so like going to a therapist, I don't really see how that's constructive for somebody like Amber, a traditional just like talk therapist, like what we think of when we think of therapy. I don't see how that can work when like she knows in her heart that she isn't the right. It's it's hard to talk someone out of their reality. And I think that's the difference between someone like Amber, who's very mentally ill, and somebody that um, like has some issues they want to work out in therapy. Because I think that somebody who just has some issues that they want to work out in therapy can admit, like, I don't fucking know what's going on. Like, I think I'm in the right, but like, I don't know. I don't understand why this person treats me this way. I don't understand why I behave this way. Like, there's a willingness to admit like things are fucked up and I'm not sure why they're fucked up and I want to get to the bottom of why they're fucked up. Um, but I think if we got Amber on some truth serum, what Amber would say is things are fucked up because Gary and Christina have poisoned Leah against me. And that's just her fact. So I'm not sure how a traditional therapy setting could talk Amber out of that because if she doesn't believe in facts it's honestly it's a lot like QAnon it's a lot like the fucking just like the stolen election shit where I'm always saying like it really scares me because it's non-factual and you can't argue logic with someone who refuses to accept facts and Amber refuses to accept facts 
someone like Kale, I think, can accept facts. Um, she just chooses not to a lot of the time. And she's just so incredibly impulsive that she literally does not have the ability to think about the facts. Amber's not that impulsive from what we see. I mean, she is to an extent. I don't want to say she's not, but like Amber is slow and steady in a lot of ways. You know, she just lives in a reality that doesn't match up with the rest of our reality. And I really worry for a child like Leah what going to therapy with Amber would look like. You know, they often say that you shouldn't go to therapy with your abuser. And I worry that sending Leah to therapy with Amber is sending her to therapy with her abuser. Because what is it going to say for Leah if she goes into this therapy session without therapy of her own and she sits there and listens to her mom talk shit on Gary and Christina, refuse to admit she did anything wrong, and have a neutral third party, the therapist there, a authority figure, possibly agree with Amber. Because remember, the therapist only knows what you tell them, right? Like they don't come in with information. And if Amber gets in there and is doing her best crying session and I did everything I could and blah, 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 blah. If the therapist in, an, in a way to be empathetic towards Amber, like says like, okay, so Leah, your mom did everything she could and remember, like, not every therapist is great. Like, it's what if they get in there with, like, a mediocre therapist who isn't able to kind of pick through what's going on and the therapist validates Amber over Leah? How is that going to help Leah? It's not. But Amber doesn't care about that. I also think that she literally cannot see that point of view. I think Amber could listen to this whole this whole thing that I'm talking about right now and be like, that's just not true. That doesn't apply. And none of that applies to me. I I think she can't see it, which is the scary and sad part about Amber. Um, I think it's why Amber is, I mean, Farrah not included. I I don't know what's going on with fucking Farrah. I, I don't know. But I think that that's what makes Amber maybe the person on this show who I would say is the sickest um, out of all of the franchises. Like, way more so than Janelle, way more so than Kale. Um, I think Janelle is similar in ways to Kale in that like she does have the ability to self-reflect and she occasionally will do it. I think Kale has a little more of an ability to self-reflect than Janelle just because I think that um, Kale is lucky that she's not a drug addict and Janelle is, unfortunately, um, right? Like I think Janelle is intoxicated on whatever. I, I think she drinks a lot now. She's always fucking high on pot like god only knows what pills or whatever else she's doing so i think that kill has the um like the strength or the strength but if i'm thinking in a strength-based perspective way like kale really has the strength that she's not a drug addict right and so most of the time she's (laughs) she's like cognitively physically clear-headed when she's reflecting. And I think that Janelle kind of stays in such a, a sedated, intoxicated state of mind that she like can't do that. But if she was able to get some sobriety, I think that she could. I think she would continue to have problems with the impulsiveness and all of her other issues. But I think that like what sets Amber apart is like, I don't think Amber can self-reflect. And I don't know what that means for Leah. Um, In this episode, Gary decides he's going to see a parenting coach. Now, once again, I ask, what the fuck is a parenting coach? First of all, did MTV get a fucking sale on parenting coaches? (laughs) This is the second parenting coach we're seeing. I 
think the first parenting coach that Mackenzie saw, they showed some credentials underneath, I think. But I may just be confusing her with like the school psychologist or the child psychologist that focuses in school that came over to help with Bronx. I'd have to go back and look at that school psychologist thing again or the parenting coach again. But this parenting coach named Elizabeth. Did everybody catch that? She had my name. Old Lizzie. Lizzie came in as a parenting coach. You guys know I call myself Lizzie, right? Like when I think of myself in my head and like who I am, if I look in the mirror, I think of myself as Lizzie. Never gone by Lizzie in my life. Never. My dad calls me Lizzie sometimes. But like if I'm thinking of myself in the third person, a lot of times I almost all of the time I think of myself as Lizzie. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's like how I talk to myself. I'm like, okay, Lizzie. It's like my pet name for myself. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, So parenting coach Elizabeth comes over and I thought she was great. I think that she had a lot of great things to say, which was exactly what we've been saying. Um, I think she spelled it out well for Gary. I actually think as Gary is somebody who's not into therapy, I think that the parenting coach may have been a good introduction to Gary. I think that hearing the parenting coach say to him, like, stop making Amber see Leah. She didn't say it in that many words, but she did say, like, you know, when you tell Leah that she has to see Amber, what you're saying is, is that like your pain matters less than her need to see her mom. And I think that's so fucking true. It's what we've all been screaming, right, for the last two seasons where we're like, stop telling Leah, like, because we see this happen all the time. And I I actually have a lot of empathy for Gary here. Gary's in a very precarious situation in life and also on the television show he's on, right? Like, so not only, because God only knows what he says to Leah off camera, I I, I'm out of everybody on this fucking show. I'm the most curious about what Gary's like off camera with Leah. Very, very curious about that. But let's give him the benefit of the doubt here. Why? I don't know. Do I ever give people the benefit of the doubt on the show? No, but I'm going to right now. Let's give Gary the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, so he's similarly off camera as he is on camera when it comes to Leah and Amber. And I think that like, I totally just lost my train of thought. And I think that what? And when he does what? We're talking about Gary and Amber and Leah. Oh, my God. My ADD is so bad. And the Shortera is not really helping. Mm, so fun. So fun. Um, When it comes to Gary and Leah, like, I get that he's in this situation where he wants to do everything he can to foster a relationship between his daughter and her mother. Remember, Gary had a father that was in and out. Well, first of all, he had a father that ended up not being his biological father, which is can be huge trauma, right? I don't I don't really know how to end up affecting Gary in the end, but it can be really fucking dramatic for adults to find out that their biological parents are not their bi- or their parents are not their biological parents. It's why we like don't keep adoptions a secret anymore, you know, and why we're telling kids from like the moment of their birth that they're adopted. That's why everything is like they have to know they're adopted their whole life. Like you have to do that. There's truly like no other option in the in the year 2021. Exception every rule, I know, but I'm just saying like there's a reason that we do that now. So when it comes to like someone like Gary finding out as an adult that his father, who's never really good father anyway, isn't his actually biological father. Like that's a lot of shit to deal with. Then he finds out this other man is his bio father, Michael Jackson. Wasn't that his name? (laughs) 
Wasn't his name Michael Jackson or was the brother, like the bio brother named Michael Jackson? I, one of them was named Michael Jackson. <laughs> um, I would assume the father or maybe both of them were named Michael Jackson. But I get that Gary's in a position where he wants his daughter to know her mother. And I mean, I can imagine, I think that this is the case for every parent that has a the second parent is in and out of the picture. I think it's a little different when the parent is totally out of the picture, 100%. I think that it's super hard when the parent is in and out of the picture like this, like an Adam or an Amber or a, um, like a Nate in some cases, you know, maybe they come, maybe they don't type of parent. There are a million of them on this franchise, I'm sure, that we can go through. I think Gary like doesn't want Leah when she's an adult to be like, yo, why didn't you encourage a relationship between me and my mom? Like I didn't see her because like I could tell from you, you didn't want me to see her. That's some real shit, right? So like you don't want to be the person that's standing in the way of your child having a relationship with their mother. But at the same time, you need to protect them from that parent and the hurt and you need to validate their trauma and their hurt feelings and their sadness over the things that parent has done to them. And I think Gary is just in a hard position where it's like, do you, Leah's 12. I think she actually just turned 13. I think I saw that she turned 13. So Leah's 13, which is absolutely old enough to speak her mind and have her own thoughts and opinions, but she's also still young and she's still a kid and she sells parents that have to make choices for her. So like, I don't know what you do at 12. Like, do you 100% listen to the kid and say, okay, you don't have to see your mom ever again. That's fine. No worries for me. And then what they grow up and they're like, why the fuck did you take me my word? I was 12. I didn't know what I was talking about. You know, like, why Why would you listen to that? So I don't know what the answer is there. But I was really, really glad to hear the parenting coach be like, hey, <laughs> like when you tell Leah she has to see her mom, what you're really telling her is that her trauma doesn't really matter. And that's fucking true. And I was just so glad to hear someone say it. The parenting coach also strongly recommended therapy for Leah, which great. So glad to hear. Get that little girl into therapy. I just want like, and I also think that like it'd be really helpful for Gary too, not Amber. Don't bring Amber into this. I think that they need to be thinking about therapy outside of Amber. I think that's another thing. I think Amber has kind of like co-opted therapy in their family. And that's not really fair because <laughs> a lot of people can benefit from therapy. And I want Gary to get Leah a therapist that has nothing to do with Amber, right? I mean, obviously... <laughs> Leah will talk to the therapist about Amber, but I think that Leah deserves to be able to see a therapist just to see a therapist, not with the goal of like reconnecting with her deadbeat mom. That doesn't need to be the goal of her therapy. So Gary, please get Leah into therapy. I wonder if Leah's having those panic attacks. Remember that from a couple seasons ago when she was having full-blown panic attacks? I wonder if that's still going on. Um, the therapist or the excuse me, the parenting coach also recommends that Gary go to Amber's psychiatrist appointment with her because I guess Amber has been pushing for that. I think that's fine. I guess I, I also question, though, like, what is the goal with that? What is, what is the goal here? I know what Amber's goal is, is that she's going to go with Gary, the psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist is going to tell her, tell Gary that everything he's doing is wrong and that he needs to be doing everything he can to make Leah forgive Amber. I know that's what Amber's goal is. Now, what the psychiatrist will actually do? Me, no, no. That's a question for another day. I don't know. We'll see, I guess. 
Do I think it's like, I don't think, I think for Gary, it's not going to hurt to go to the psychiatrist. So I think that's good. Do I think Leah should be going to the psychiatrist? No, absolutely not. (laughs) I mean, if she's having anxiety, maybe she needs to go to her own psychiatrist to talk about that, to figure that out. But she should not be going anywhere near Amber's psychiatrist. I think that would be really inappropriate, like really, really inappropriate. But I think as far as Gary going, sure. Maybe once he's there, Gary can say, how the, why the fuck does Amber not see an actual therapist? Why is she only getting counseling from the psychiatrist? Do you do analysis? What kind of psychiatrist are you? What what do you do? I think he's actually technically a child psychiatrist, which is even more confusing. But I want to know how often Amber's going to see this man. I want to know if she's doing full counseling sessions or if she's going for 15 minute med appointments. I've got questions. <laughs> Oh, gosh. I just I really hope Leah goes to the therapist. They also mentioned that Leah is very private and wants to do things off camera. And I'm like, does Leah get to do things off camera? (laughs) Okay, I hear the words that you're saying on the television show. (laughs) All right, let's talk about Kate and Tyler who have their visit with Carly. I thought this was really nice. And here's my hot take. Been seeing a lot of comments again on Reddit about how Caitlin and Tyler act like Brandon and Teresa are just raising Carly for the first 18 years. And as soon as she turns 18, she's going to come running back to them. And they've never accepted that Carly was adopted. And to that, I say, are you watching this fucking show? Are you watching it? I don't think that's been a thing for like four seasons plus. Did it used to be a thing? Yes, for sure. I think that was totally their coping coping mechanism. They had not accepted it at all. Watching this, also, like, I, for what it's worth, like, I do not forget the fact that they were, like, an hour and a half late to that last visit at the zoo and that they were focused on making that scrapbook. Like, I think that was Kate having a meltdown. Um, I wish she could maybe vocalize that and be like, uh, here's the thing. I was having a panic attack and I didn't want to admit it because I was embarrassed and I fucked up and we should have never been late and I feel really awful about it and I'm like really embarrassed that the one time we see Carly I'm an hour and a half late and I don't really know what to do about that and I don't want that to happen again I hope she talked in therapy about that I get not talking about it on the show by the way power's still not on (laughs) I did get a text from Pico which is like the energy provider that said it should be on by 350 so who fucking knows what that means um I'll see it when I'll believe it when I see it like I said I don't know how I'm gonna upload this episode because I also then was in my head like, oh, I'll just hotspot it for like the 15 minutes it takes to upload. No, no, no. Not with my shitty cell phone service. Not going to happen. Oh, God. I think Kate and Tyler have truly accepted the adoption at this point. They don't really seem to talk about it that much. Um, They seem really focused on the children that they're raising. Nova Lee and Little Veda. And what's the new one named? Raya. I keep forgetting she's pregnant in this. (laughs) But she is. I think that they're in a pretty good place. I think that we see them talk about Carly because they're on an MTV show where they ask about it. But I think in general, like, doing okay. This visit seemed to go well. The kids all played together. Um, What's her name? Caitlin. Caitlin specifically said that she's focusing on the relationship between the girls, which I think is a healthy place to be. I don't know, man. I'm proud of Caitlin and Tyler. The whole fam's there. Kim, April, Kate's grandma, who I do not believe is um actually no, is not April's mom. It's Caitlin's dad's mom. 
And she's a wise sage. Um, they show a clip of, well, not a clip, but there's a scene of after they all say goodbye and everybody's kind of sad, Tyler is hugging Dawn because, of course, Dawn is there and they're sobbing. He's like crying pretty hard. I teared up a little. I think like it's a totally normal reaction. I think Caitlin and Tyler are at a normal place with the trauma of giving their daughter for adoption. And I think that's pretty fucking incredible considering where they were. In even three or four years ago, you know, when they were still getting really snippy about what they could and could not post online and talking shit on Brandon and Teresa and all of that bullshit, they've come a long way, baby, both of them. And I, for one, am like pretty proud of them. They seem to be doing okay. Um, They have an interesting conversation about how they're not really sure how to act when saying goodbye to Carly because they get really upset, but they don't want to get upset in front of Carly. And the grandma is like, well, Kim, I think, says at first, like, you should just be honest with her. Like, you're a human. She's a human. Like, you want to be honest with your kids. You should be honest with Carly. Um, And Caitlin's grandma is basically like, you know, you don't have to, like, freak out in front of her. But if you can tell her how you feel, I don't remember exactly what she said, but it was wise. And I'm not sure where I land on that. I think that um, what I can hear my professor who is a therapist say is that like it's okay to express emotions because humans are humans and like it Carly first of all is like 12 or 13 at this point she's 12 because I specifically say it. Carly's 12 at this point you know she's I think 12 and a half I think Carly's oh no Carly's birthday's in May she probably just turned 12 when this was filmed I'm pretty sure Carly's birthday is May 18th because it's my ex-boyfriend's birthday and I remember their tattoos were if not the 18th, they were very close to it. So I was like, oh, that's close to your birthday because we were like together watching 16 Pregnant. Um, So like I, I, on one hand, Carly's 12. She's not a baby, right? She's old enough to handle emotions. I think as long as Caitlin and Tyler, Tyler are age appropriately able to share with her in a way, I want to say that doesn't make Brandon and Teresa uncomfortable, But at the same time, I'm actually not sure that's right. I think when it comes to the boundaries of how they interact with Carly, how they post Carly online, like those things, Brandon and Teresa totally, it's a say. Also, like I under, I I respect Brandon and Teresa are Carly's parents. So I'm not saying they should like disregard the way that Brandon and Teresa want them talking to Carly, especially with certain subjects. But Brandon and Teresa, we don't know anything about them. They may be like totally like um, repressed emotionally in a way that's not healthy to Carly. And like if if Caitlin and Tyler are appropriately able to speak to Carly as a 12 year old about their emotions, I think they should be able to do that regardless of what Brandon and Teresa say. I think that if you are allowing people to be around your child, then you have to allow them to be humans. <laughs> You know, like it is totally natural and fine. Now, do I think Tyler and Caitlin should be sobbing in front of Carly? No, but I think it's okay to acknowledge like it's we just we really care about you and we love spending time with you. And it's really sad when we have to go. Apparently, Carly said something to Teresa. I guess Teresa asked Carly if she was excited for the visit and Carly said she was except like part of her is sad because once it's over she feels really sad. So it seems like Carly is dealing with this too. Carly's in seventh grade which is wild. 
But like seventh graders are old enough to know that like the adults around you are sad. It doesn't help a child to pretend like you have no emotions. Now, I like I said, I cannot reiterate this enough. Age appropriate emotions. (laughs) Age appropriate. That means that you need to be like not screaming and cussing. I hate the phrase cussing, cursing screaming and cursing and crying and losing your mind and talking about the fact that it's the hardest thing you ever did giving her up and all you want is for her to come live with your family and like you don't need to put that shit on her but I think it's fine to tear up a little bit she she's sad too I I I think that we like obsess over this idea that and I think Caitlin and Tyler obsess over this too that they have to behave a certain way to not upset Brandon and Teresa but I think that shouldn't be their main focus. I think they should respect Brandon and Teresa's boundaries, but also like feel confident in the fact that they're humans with human emotions and they're intelligent. <laughs> that was nice of me. That was really generous of me to call them intelligent, but they're for the most part capable beings, right? Who like manage to get by every day in this life and they're doing decently all things considered, and that they should be able to trust themselves to talk to Carly like she's a human and not like do this weird dancing act of like not wanting to piss off Brandon and Teresa. And if they do, and if Brandon and Teresa take Carly away for Tyler saying he's sad or showing some emotion around Carly that's totally appropriate, then that's way more to do with Brandon and Teresa than Caitlin and Tyler. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that's not on Caitlin and Tyler. As long as they are appropriate with it, I think they should be able to like be honest with her. They don't need to tell her everything, but they can just say, you know, it was really hard to place you. It, it was really hard to place you up for adoption. We know we made the right choice. We are so grateful for your mom and dad. We couldn't be any prouder of you. We think you're amazing. We are so grateful for the life that you get to live, but it's so hard for us and we miss you and we love you. And so saying goodbye, is it's hard for us and it's it's a hard place to be in, but it's worth it to see you and it's worth it to feel upset if it means that we can see you. I think she gets that, right? Like, I don't think you need to like deeply explain to an adopted kid why it's sad that why it feels sad to her bio parents that she's adopted. I think that Carly probably gets that. She knows she's adopted. She knows why Caitlin and Tyler gave her up for adoption. I'm sure a vague version of it, but she knows. Who knows what she knows now that she's in middle school and like maybe can get online and watch some shit. I don't know. I thought it was a nice I thought it was a nice episode for them. There was a scene where Caitlin and Tyler are like screaming at Nova that was like, ooh, not great. <laughs> All right, let's bring it home with the McKees. Okay, so (laughs) Mackenzie's having trouble managing her diabetes, which Mackenzie is considered a brittle diabetic, which means that she has blood sugars that are really hard to control, even for a person that like super diligently takes care of their health. Now, is Mackenzie someone who super diligently takes care of her health? No. No. No, she's not. I know this because I followed that bitch on Snapchat for many years in which she would post like 18 minute long snap stories every day in which she detailed everything she was eating. Look, I get it. I eat so much shit I shouldn't. I'm fat. 
I don't have a great diet. It's fucking hypocritical for me to sit here and judge her and act like if I was diabetic, I would perfectly be able to manage all of my sugars and I would like suddenly stop having food issues and everything would be great. I don't want to say that, but I do think that Mackenzie has some real serious issues with food and I think that it's especially scary knowing what like how unmanageable her diabetes is and how dangerous it is. I mean, she's had multiple car accidents, which in my opinion, she probably shouldn't be driving. Right? She's blacked out at least twice that we know of while she's behind the wheel of the car. That's so fucking scary. I hope that nobody ever rams their car into me while blacking out because of their blood sugars. Um, It's like having a seizure. Like when you have a seizure, you can't drive after that until you don't have another seizure for a certain amount of time and some people can never drive again. And it sucks, but that's like a safety thing. And Mackenzie shouldn't be driving, in my opinion. Um, uh, the fitness stuff, uh, the weight training, the bodybuilding, none of it seems very healthy. I know when she was pregnant with Bronx, um, she talked about getting fired from her doctor because she like just wasn't her, her endocrinologist, I think it's called, because she just like wasn't treating her diabetes correctly and so she got fired for being a non-compliant patient which says a lot um I worry for her but the focus of this week's episode is that because her blood sugars are really out of control lately uh she's being like a mega bitch to everybody around her which I guess (laughs) and she decides that she needs to have help around the house so that she can get like a control of her health now here's the thing Mackenzie's kids are little. Gannon is nine, I think. Jaxie is seven. Bronx is four. Like, they're little. Gannon maybe can do some, like, they can do chores, but like little kid chores. Like, they're not old enough to like substantially take work off her plate when it comes to like house care, in my opinion. They can pick up after themselves. They can clean up their rooms. They can like, uh, but realistically, like she's going to have to come through and do like the second sweep of everything. Chores at that age are more about teaching your child responsibility and teaching them how to clean and how to maintain a clean home than them like actively cleaning your home, right? Like they can make their bed. Maybe they can fold their clothes and put their laundry away. I'm not saying that they don't help at all. But realistically, the person that Mackenzie needs help from is the adult that she lives with named Josh. (laughs) I, I don't think the chore chart for the kids is the solution that she wants it to be. Now, I think it's the kids should have a chore chart. I think those kids should have chores. I think that those kids are bad and need responsibilities. I am all for four, seven, and nine year olds having chores. Please do not get me wrong. But what I'm saying is they're still very young. I think until your kids are like teens, and even then, like you have to like be checking up on them and checking everything they do. Like it's a lot of work to put the house care on your children is what I'm saying. Usually at least like the mom or (laughs) almost always the mom, but whatever, sometimes not the mom, but the parent that's mostly in charge of like the domestic care of the home. If they're putting the kids in charge of the cleaning, they're still mentally taking on the load that those kids are doing. You know what I mean? Like they're still mentally in charge of these chores. And what she probably needs is her partner, Josh, 
to come in and do half of the housework and half of the emotional labor of raising of like the home, um, which I don't think he's doing. So they're explain. She's explaining to the kids. Josh is just sitting there, and she goes, "Could you speak up?" And he's like, "I'm I'm just listening." And she's like. I don't understand. When the cameras are here, you are an asshole. I'm so sick of how you look on camera. I'm so sick of blah, 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 blah. Basically just going off on the fact that he's this perfect, amazing husband and father when MTV's not there. When they get there, he's just awful. They start screaming at each other and Mackenzie walks off and is like, I don't even want to be with him. I'm not teaching my class tonight and I don't want to be with him. Now, is this happening? This fight happening because our sugars are out of control? Sure. I don't know. That's what they say. Um, Do I believe that when MTV is not there, Josh is a good husband and father? No. Mackenzie, shut up. You fucking liar. Who are you trying to fool? We don't fucking believe you. We don't believe you. We just know that you're fucking embarrassed that you're married to a goddamn loser. And so you sit there constantly and justify how amazing he is. If Josh hates filming that much, why the fuck is he filming? Film the show around him. They could pretty easily do that. He could pop up occasionally in scenes, take Brad fishing, take Gannon out for a hunt, you know, shit like that. But like, he doesn't need to be there when she's doling out the chore charts. She doesn't need, he doesn't need to do that. I don't know why he does it if he hates me on camera so much. I think he just hates her. Also, like, I talked about this when they first came on the show. Remember she like was like, you're a fucking loser. You make no money. Your wife pays all of your bills. You're a fucking joke like that. And I was like, I don't know how you walk that back. <laughs> like, like, I don't think you can walk that back once you've said those words. And I still believe that. And like the fact that every time they fight, Mackenzie's like, I want a divorce. Like you guys have problems. You have problems. That's not Josh like not being good on camera. Like it's one thing if if they have a fight and Mackenzie's like, I'm just frustrated because he's act, he acts one way on camera and he doesn't act this way off camera. Okay, fair. I don't believe you, but fair. But like the fact that she immediately jumps to, I don't want to be with him. So don't be with him. You shouldn't be with him. The two of you do not get on well. Oh, gosh. Um, The next day, she's like, calm down. And so they're talking about it. And she's like, I just feel bad because I want everybody to see you the way that I do. And I'm like, AK, I care so much about um, like how other people see me. By the way, Jess, my friend Jess, who reads all the Team Mom books, started Mackenzie's book this week and shared some highlights with me, including the fact that um, Mackenzie talks about the fact that she it's a family joke that she got more spankings than everybody else in her family combined. Remember, she has three siblings. Yikes. Uh, what was the other thing she said? Oh, she talks about how she had her parents like adopted. I don't know if they ever officially adopted him, but they ado- I think they did. They adopted a grown man with uh, Down syndrome and he like became part of their family until he passed. I knew about this. I think his name is Michael. But in the book, apparently she shares that so the way that they met Michael was they had been trying to be foster parents. It was like taking too long. Then they find out about Michael whose parents have just died and he needed like a family to support him. Okay, great, great. Apparently, Mackenzie's parents had been living in a trailer at this point. They meet Michael. They adopt Michael. Michael had a home, like a house that was left to him by his parents that had passed. And Brad and Angie 
moved into the house and that's their house. What? Uh, wait. Oh, what, 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 what? That I have like a million questions on. A million questions. Um, anyway, Mackenzie, you know, Angie's a fucking saint. Once again, in this episode, Mackenzie's talking about the fact that she just hates the way that she gets when her sugars are messed up. That um, she's like, I don't cuss. But like when my sugars are messed up, I'm running around saying the F-bomb in front of my kids. My mom never did that. And like once again, it doesn't fucking matter what your mom did because you're not your mom and your mom wasn't perfect. I just want her to go go to a therapist and have a therapist say, you know, your not, mom's not perfect, right? Your mom made a lot of fucking mistakes. I just want somebody to say it to her. I wonder if running for sisters ever say it to her. Like, hey, you know mom fucked up, right? <laughs> like, you know she made mistakes, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, She says to Josh, she's like, I just don't want you to take it personally. And Josh says, I don't take anything personally. Now, here's the deal. I like the four agreements, the book. And one of those is don't take things personally. One of the four agreements. And in theory... I agree with that, that it's good not to take things personally because most of the time people are reacting because of their own shit, right? They're treating you a way they're treating you because of their own shit, not because of your shit. So the idea is like, don't take things personally. But I think if my partner told me they never took me insulting them personally, I would be concerned. (laughs) How, How do you not take things personally when the person that you love, your wife, says that she doesn't want to be with you anymore. That's a red flag to me. It just is. It's, mm, I, my partner never feeling any type of way over us fighting. mm, That would be a red flag to me. It would. Oh, and they have this whole conversation about this and like with Bronx sitting on Josh's lap. (laughs) Because why wouldn't you, you know? All right, let's chat about the Team Mom Young and Pregnant Girls, and then we'll wrap this up for the week. Okay, I don't feel like spending a super long time talking about uh, Young and Pregnant. Let's start, I'm just going to run through them. Let's start with Rachel, who, (laughs) okay, Drew, Hazley's dad calls. He's in prison or jail, but he's going to be going to treatment afterwards, which is good. We find out that he was using meth. And then heroin. So, I mean, I'm glad he's in treatment. We're going to treatment. Um, we find out that little baby Hazley is calling Noah, Rachel's brand new boyfriend, dad, which Rachel says, I don't encourage that. She just sees us together. And so she calls him dad, which I don't know. I'm assuming the kid watches a lot of TV. <laughs> so maybe she really does just do that. But you can correct the baby. You know, you correct her. She's only two. Um, we also get a scene of Noah snuggling Hazley. It just makes me uncomfortable. It just makes me really, really uncomfortable. That is a stranger touching your baby. Oh, God, little Hazley. Little Hazley. Oh, I worry. I worry for that little baby. I really worry for her. Um, Stephanie has Drew on the phone at one point, like on speaker, and she's like, say bye to your daddy. And Rachel goes, don't have her call him that. I'm like, um she's like well I don't tell her to call Noah daddy I'm like "Mm, okay girly okay I mean I I hope Drew does okay um okay so that was Rachel up next we have Kayla J 
Okay, so Mikel is supposed to be moving to uh, Maryland. He gets in a car accident, so he can't move there. Um, he's wearing a brace when we see him, which is kind of funny. And they're once again fighting over the fact that Kayla does not want Mikhail to bring Mecca to Philly. Um, and now, because he doesn't have a car, he like can't even get down there to see her. Once again, I'm asking... What are the logistics of this arrangement? This whole episode is about the fact that Mikhail needs to be seen Mecca in Philly. And I'm like, but who is taking her to Philadelphia? Who is doing it? Who? Could you let me know? Because I'm curious. Uh, Mikhail could rent a car and drive down and stay the weekend in Maryland. Um, I do think part of the issue is that, unfortunately, Kayla wants Mikhail there to stay in her apartment. I do. I, I think that's a big part of it, which is sad, but I that's just what I believe to be true. You know, it's just what I believe to have happened. But Kayla, like, I don't know. They keep saying, like, well, you should bring the baby to Philly. And I'm like, is she driving three hours, dropping the baby off, driving back, going back, getting the baby? Driving? That's that's also a lot for Mecca. They're talking about Kayla and Mikhail, Kayla and Mikhail, Kayla and Mikhail. But that's a lot for Mecca to do over like a long weekend. It's a lot, a lot to be in the car. Um, basically, Mikhail says that uh, Kayla's being really controlling by not letting him see Mecca, which I agree to an extent. Kayla's family later in the episode says the same thing. I agree. But I also agree like what... What effort is Mikhail putting in here? I don't really see it. I see he's expecting Kayla to do a lot for him, but I don't really see what effort he's putting in there. Kayla does say, okay, so you did everything for the first two years and that's it. Then you're done. We don't need we don't need to see anything more from you. I think saying like you're out of my daughter's life leads me to believe that Mikhail's not on the birth certificate, as I've been wondering. Okay, then we go over to Illinois with the other Kayla. <laughs> Luke's family's too involved in their business is the issue. Um, I know I said last week I liked Luke's mom and I liked I liked the conversation they had, but it's not great. Apparently on Thanksgiving <laughs> they were at Luke's family's house and they were playing a game in which like a card game and Whatever the characteristic on the card is, you like give it to the person that is most identified with the card. And so every time there would be like a hoe or a cheater or that type of card, his family would give it to Luke, which got Luke really upset, which triggered Kayla. And so Kayla decided to leave the family member's house, which is probably inappropriate. I'm not look, I'm not saying you can't leave an event, but later in the episode, Luke's mom is saying like, you know, on a holidays, like we all come together, we all leave together. I kind of get it. I think Kayla is weird and like very quiet and I can see myself being very offended where I think we're just like joking around having a fun time and Kayla like without saying anything just like gets up and leaves in the middle <laughs> in the middle of the holiday. Like I can totally see her doing that and I can see myself being annoyed by it. She leaves but she doesn't just leave. She has Ryan, you know, the ex that thought he was Isaiah's dad come and pick her up now. The MTV producer says, did you guys have sex? And Kayla pleads the fifth. She will not be discussing that. But later in the episode, she's talking to her friend and says that, like, they just drove around for 15 minutes and nothing happened. Um, I don't believe her. I think they had sex or they hooked up or did something. Or it, do it honestly doesn't really matter. It's so inappropriate. 
you know, her parent, his parents are too involved for sure. But also like his mom and his sister are talking at the end of the episode and they had some good points. They're like, so is she just going to punish him over shit that happened two years ago forever? Like, is this the first time that she's like came at him? This is why you don't let people in your business like this. You know, this is probably why she made a mistake talking to his mom in the first place, because now you have to answer for all of your behavior. I mean, like leaving the family holiday get together to like hang out with an ex is so inappropriate. (laughs) It's so inappropriate. You get an Uber to your house and go home by yourself. (laughs) Kale's very immature in a lot of ways. And I think Luke is too. Um, They talk to a therapist and it actually goes pretty well. They talk about the fact that Luke doesn't do good with like expressing his emotions and that because Kayla never dealt with the cheating two years before that like she's having a lot like a really hard time dealing with it now which I think is fair um there's also a cute little scene of Kayla's friend comes over with her daughter who's like two and just the daughter won't stop saying bitch (laughs) oh gosh okay um I don't know Luke and Kayla are kind of messy you know Kaya and Tiaza decide that they're not going to fight in the future. I, guys, I can't. I can't deal with Kaya and Tiaza. I can't. I I feel like it's the same thing in every single episode in a way that is really unpleasant to watch. Like, I'm ready for them to totally be off the show. Just 100% off it. It's not that I dislike them as people either. I actually think they're both pretty enjoyable. But watching them fight and talk about them fighting and talk about their relationship that's not a relationship, it's unbearable to me. All right, let's wrap it up with Bray. I'm so hungry right now. I need to end this so I can eat. I don't know what I'm going to eat because I don't really have any food. <laughs> I have to go get food because <laughs> everything that I would want to eat, guess what? It's like in the fridge or it has to be heated up or. Ay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so Bree is fighting with Briggs. Apparently, Briggs is a TikTok star. Now, did I look for his TikTok? Of course I did course I could only find Briggs Edward which if you know him you know him if you don't it doesn't matter but he was the only thing popping for me there were a ton it looked like it auto-corrected me like Briggs from Team Mom Young and Pregnant Briggs from Oregon I couldn't find his TikTok if you find it please DM it to me I would like to see it um Brie figures out that Briggs is like talking on the phone to a follower and she's really upset about it um so she's not gonna invite Briggs to her birthday party it's her 21st birthday most things are still shut down so her family's gonna rent an Airbnb on the coast and just like have a nice weekend which sounds lovely her mom is like well you're gonna invite Briggs she's like no and she also doesn't want to invite Ashley because she and Ashley are still not in a great place this is where we find out Vanessa and Ashley are friends and like Vanessa's kind of a bitch. She goes to hang out with Ashley and like is talking shit about Brie. Um, Brie was saying like she doesn't want Ashley there because she just doesn't want to deal with the drama. And Vanessa goes, Vanessa tells her this and goes, but like she's the drama. She's the one who brings the drama. I'm like, that's your sister. I don't, I was really put off by this whole thing. Vanessa invites Ashley to Brie's birthday party in which Brie specifically said she did not want Ashley there. That was shitty. That was really shitty. I didn't like that. I didn't like that one bit. All right. Sorry for the quick team. I'm young and pregnant roundup. My day is fucked because of this power outage. I have to. I guess I'm going to go eat somewhere, but also bring my computer and make sure they have Wi-Fi so I can fucking upload this episode. 
Oh, gosh. Come to my Patreon. This week's episode is going to be about Jill Rodriguez, a Christian fundamentalist who's really quite well-known in the snark world. Um, last week's episode was Celebrity Rehab, Sister Wives Soon. Come listen to me chat about non-teen mom things. It's patreon.com slash Liz Explains. And I hope everyone has a great week. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.